0: cars on call is a different car podcast two car guy physicians join noted automotive authority adams hudson to discuss car topics you won't find anywhere else i'm steve schutz and i've been publishing new car reviews for almost 30 years stefan moran is a trauma surgeon who has published articles in the automotive safety literature and operated on countless car crash victims and adams hudson is a now retired successful businessman who has bought, sold, and owned over a hundred top-shelf enthusiast cars. Welcome to Cars On Call. Welcome to Cars On Call, I'm gastroenterologist and automotive journalist Steve Schutz, I'm here with trauma surgeon, car nut, Stefan Moran, and Adams Hudson, of course, car consultant, historian, expert, collector. So. We guy happy new year guys. It's it's 2024 and we are gonna we're gonna launch.
1: Happy Let's New go. Year. We're ready. <laughs> we're all maybe slightly hug over and psyched to go. <laughs> and uh, about 10 pounds heavier than than we were two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, so uh we're gonna talk
0: 40 years of Audi sport. Uh, which is really cool, amazing. Uh, you know, guys. Until we looked into this, we didn't realize just how much they did. Then we're going to do car spotting. Happens to be an Audi. We're going to talk trauma surgeon safety with our trauma surgeon expert. We got a dream three car garage. We'll talk about the rules for that, but that's going to be really fun. And then um, we got uh, predictions for 2024. You can't you can't be working on January 1st and not have predictions. So, hey, before we get into any of that. So, Stefan, last week we talked about Waymo. They're safe. They're safer than Cruz. Of course, Cruz is yanked out of uh, San Francisco. They're not allowed to test their self driving cars anymore. Waymo is the leader. It's owned by Alphabet, formerly known as Google. Well, yesterday, New Year's Eve, my daughter in law, Krista Schutz, finds me and she goes, Steve, Steve, come here, come here. So we run out of the hotel. And the way, this Waymo car pulls up. So she arranged for a Waymo car to give us a ride. And How cool is that? There is no driver. So I got in the car. I'm sitting in the front seat. I did videotape it. We're going to put that on the website. So, Stefan, you talked about how safe it is. I felt safe. This car accelerates smoothly. It, it was a Jaguar. When Jaguar had- Ipace pace BEV, kind of an ugly car. And it accelerates, steers, and brakes very smoothly. It's fully aware of everything around it. There was a guy who suddenly opened his door. We were in the to, to his left, and uh, the Waymo just very smoothly went around him, uh, avoided crashing into the door. It
1: was so impressive. What's interesting to me was would you have felt safer if it had been a car without a steering wheel? And you're just riding in it like you, a pod or is it to me, it'd still be freaky to see the steering wheel change and, and nobody's there. So I, I, I would almost feel, I wonder how would, you know, how that's going to end up being one day in these car share programs that, you know.
0: I, I hadn't thought about that. I think, um, I, I think I liked seeing the steering wheel turn. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Cause, Cause it thought, helps you anticipate.
2: When you said that, I didn't hear you correctly. When Steve said it was in a Jaguar, I thought you, your question was, uh, would you have felt more comfortable with an Audi steering wheel? <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: well,
2: that's that, that's unusual. Now, is Jaguar the exclusive vehicle provider for Waymo? Or do they have several contract cars?
0: Uh, I think it's just Jaguar. There's a bunch of them driving around in San Francisco. Every single Waymo car I saw was a Jaguar. I saw a, I think, Lexus, and that was Zouk. Uh, but, um, yeah, definitely no cruise vehicles, but I felt, here's another thing that I found really reassuring on the screen, you see everything. So every car we went by, it's like a little avatar of a car. It's like, it's like bird's eye view of our car. And you see everything around you, including pedestrians. And you'd see like three, we saw, we were stopped at an intersection. Three pedestrians went in front of us and it shows you three little circles crossing. Here's what's also interesting. I didn't send you guys a video. When we stopped at intersections, people took out their phones. They looked <laughs> yeah. at us. They recorded us. They People were just psyched about this thing. I think self-driving cars in San Francisco, I've been around for a long time. Nothing new there.
1: What's new is to see passengers and no driver. Does a car have like a light on it that says Waymo or anything like Uber or Lyft does? Or does it identify itself as an autonomous driving vehicle or the- no, it just has all
0: the sensors on the roof. Uh, okay. It makes it it makes it very distinctive, and then it says wave on you. the side. But the main got thing you. that people can see is all these sensors and lidar and radar stuff on the roof. Cool, yeah. yeah. So I
2: don't guess you can take that car into a car wash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that, Adams. Yeah, <laughs> imagine the sparks, and <laughs> it probably knocks stuff off the roof. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty clean. So I guess you probably, I'm sure you have to hand wash it. Um, and I, it did occur to me that, you know, we, we eulogize Jaguar just how far they've fallen over the last 20 years, maybe, uh, 50% of Jaguar new car sales go to Waymouth. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wouldn't doubt it.
2: You, you know, yeah. and it may, it may be a bit of a stretch, uh, to, to bring Jaguar completely back from the brink. However. That does show a bit of relevance by a storied brand to be, you know, to have that big contract. Who knows what they had to do to get it? But it does; it, it makes them look modern instantly to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite the experience. So, Stefan, you talked about how Waymo cars are safe by the numbers. I felt safe. I, I, I felt like it was the future. I, it wasn't scary. I thought it was pretty cool.
1: Well, I yeah, I want to backtrack. You know, last week I talked about Waymo. They came out with two articles reporting how safe they are. And this week, um, Dr. Missy Cummings, who is just, I mean, she's the badass. She's one of the Navy's very first female fighter pilots. She's an engineer. She's at George Mason, and she is really into the whole automated driving technology. And she's a real leader in this field. Well, she came out with an article that did was basically a peer review of the Waymo articles. So she looked at it from a scientific researcher standpoint. So she's kind of, what's the expression? Sorting out the chaff from the wheat or something like that. So that's what she did. And it's interesting when, you know, I thought that the article is transparent, but then again, I've been out of research a long time. But she is really one of the leaders in autonomous driving safety metrics. And she pointed out that one of the serious problems with this paper was they cited a paper as part of their research, which had, had never been peer-reviewed in itself. So that's kind of you know adding on to the different literature. And that uh, Google, the parent company Waymo, paid for this study. So it wasn't independent research. And then the fact that it wasn't disclosed in either anywhere in either of these articles that Google's paying for this is paying for the research. And as well as some of the, one of the papers they cited wasn't peer reviewed, but overall it still is a great article. And then she went into a few other things and, um, I can put a link to that on the website too. Great to read, but she, it's kind of, she's kind of being the watchdog researcher and which is, you know, what you do when you're an academic. So I thought that was very cool that that popped up. She turned around and pulled this, wrote this article very well done that quickly and got it published. So
0: that's my follow-up
1: on Waymo. So you're saying we'd love to have her on the show sometime. Um, I think she would be tremendous to have. She's incredibly bright, and anybody who's a fighter pilot now is a you know doing an educator and automotive research and university. That's just cool to me. That's awesome. Well, I guess we can say that you know, despite the problems
0: with Waymo's data, uh, they could still be president of Harvard. So (laughs) anyway, uh, we'll move on. Good point. (laughs) We'll move on to Audi Sport. So, 2023 was uh, 40 years of Audi Sport. And, you know, Audi Sport sprung onto the scene actually in 1981. That's when they started doing rallying. And they really burst on the scene. And then they dominated. And I do remember, uh, we all remember those cars. You know, the the very distinctive livery, Audi Sport, uh, Audi Quattro, uh, all-wheel drive, which was new to World Rally. And uh, they really, really did incredibly well dominated. I do remember one thing that was different, you know, back then, Adams, you can speak to this uh, companies like, you know, you talked about Jaguar and their motorsports. The difference between Audi back in the early eighties and other manufacturers was they all had a budget and it was their motorsports budget. And they had all these, you know, marketing budget and whatever Audi, uh, because of their leader Fernand Dan I always mention that guy's name, but he deserves credit for this innovation. Number one, he really pushed quattro all-wheel drive and he used rally to push it number two he spent r&d money on racing not just motorsports money
1: well, i think he, that I'm sorry, I, go I ahead
2: what i was going to say when when the audi came out I, I, when the quattro came out rather i remember seeing it in showrooms and i was stunned at how expensive it was over the normal two-wheel drive vehicle yeah, And I just thought, is there any market for this at all? And now look what history has done. I mean, everybody offers a four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive variant. And that car just, he was on to something. He knew that that technology was just going to be a, a, a door buster and an eye-opener. And it just did everything he ever set out to do in racing, just thing after thing after thing.
1: And I think for listeners to understand how monumental this was, there's always been four-wheel drive, trucks, Jeeps. And that is a very different setup than all-wheel drive. So you you really shouldn't say four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive. They're not really synonymous in terms of mechanical engineering standpoint. So this this was bringing the concept of having four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. But you know, in, in your classic all-wheel four-wheel drive vehicle, you're you're not you're never gonna you can't go on dry pavement with all four tires locked up. But this was a concept where you would have power going to four wheels with differentials that would put the power to the wheel as having the most traction. So it's very different than four-wheel drive. Um, but now there's it's, it's become a little bit more. They become similar with different different um, synchromeshes in them. But so this was really a revolutionary thing, and now we have all-wheel drive across almost all manufacturers. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later about the safety aspects of all-wheel drive. Well, they, uh, they
0: what happened was the, the, they used to be very different because you had a truck that had to like go through the mud and you wanted all the wheels going together. And then you had cars where they'd be sliding around, but on tarmac and they'd be racing. And that's what Quattro brought you, this all-wheel drive. Now, of course, they've kind of merged, not because cars have become more four-wheel drive, it's because trucks have become more all-wheel drive.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. exactly
0: so before we leave rally because adams is going to talk about uh lamont's but before we leave rally there was a woman uh, of french descent 1981 she won a world
1: rally race for the first time ever for a woman talk about her yeah so that was uh, michelle mouton who we talked about on the show with caliper now and um in 1980 audi sport the new factory team They called Michelle Mouton and signed her for the World Rally Championship. She had already proven and won some races in France and rallying. And so she joined the team in 1981. And Michelle Mouton described the phone call from Audi as a complete shock. I mean, you can imagine this is in an era where men have always dominated in motorsports. There's been very few women in motorsports. This is back in the 80s. You know, times weren't as progressive back then. And she had won some races, but she got a call from the new team with the Quattro, the team everybody wanted to be on, and they picked her. And she um, joined the team, and they picked her over male rivals. I think that was a a fabulous marketing coup as well on Audi Sports. Um, um, Picking her, but she was well-deserved as well. And, yep, she had four victories in World Rally, and she finished runner-up in the Drivers' Championship in 1982 so she was i mean fabulous driver so but that was just a real great marketing coup as well but she deserved a spot not just because she was a great driver but it was bold of them to pick a female driver because that was clearly you know not a move a lot of teams would have done she would uh
0: she would compete she'd beat the men she'd beat her teammates she was so so impressive i thought she was terrific uh, I wish you were around more, maybe at, at at events, kind of as an ambassador for Audi. I wish I wish we'd see her more. And before, we get into motorsports from the Le Mans standpoint, talk about how Audi evolved because we all know before the Quattro and before rallying success, Audi was nowhere near BMW or Mercedes in in prestige, and and now they really are, and they have been for a long time. Talk about that.
2: You know, you know, they had, I I, were, I vaguely remember Audi uh, it, prior to the Quattro, and they had the little Audi Fox, which was yeah. uh, uh, known as the, the 80 in Europe and the 90, and then the 100 LS, and they just, they were just sort of a fringe boutique brand. I mean, people knew what they were, sort of the four rings on the front, and they were very handsome, very conservatively styled, but people just didn't know a whole lot about them, and I think the Quattro, like we we've been talking about, is the thing that, made it a little bit more of a household word and it's just it was just fortuitous uh, that the four rings that represent Audi which was really four manufacturers coming together came to signify quattro and so now I'd we
1: to, I'd have to say unintended acceleration is what put them on, on the map of people oh. 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 Oh, oh my god I am afraid <laughs> we,
2: you are correct I mean, was
1: actually the, the quattro salvaged the company I think but I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, I, just had no, to, I had to get that in there because <laughs> I, swear, I I didn't know about Audi. I'd kind of seen this, but then once the unintended acceleration came up, I knew all about Audi. Yeah,
2: and I, I'm afraid you're right that that did make them uh, uh, known in a rather infamous way. I'm going to say that that story, the 60 minute story, Stefan's referring to, which was a fake story yeah, l- about a fake hit piece. I, it, I mean, pe- people should have been sued not just a little maya culpa but they should have been sued out of existence i'm still a little mad at 60 minutes over that one but it was in around 1987 or 1988 that that came out i actually worked at a volkswagen audi porsche dealership at the time and i remember uh, a person who was in the service bay at the time with an audi at our dealership, she had brought it in to have service work done. Somebody mentioned, oh, you're in one of those cars that unintentionally accelerate. She didn't know anything about it, and they started telling her about it. She left in a cab never oh. to pick up her car and said, forget it. I'm out. It was that scary oh, to Yeah, well, It was that, unfair. It was totally unfair, and, and not to deviate too, too far, but, you know, Audi had to scratch back from that. They had started to make a, a living at selling cars, and Uh, That was with the Audi 5,000 back in the day. They actually had a 4,000 as well, a smaller car. But they decided to go racing, and when Audi sets their mind to something, or basically Steve's hero, pick decides to do something, it gets done. And so they won the World Rally Championship. They won Pike's Peak three years in a row. They won the German DTM, uh, the Touring Car Championship, uh, two times in a row. And then just decided at the end of the nineties to go into, uh, Le Mans, uh, th- their very first Le Mans effort. And you think about how, I mean, they call it the, 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 world's toughest, uh, motorsport racing event. And it is, I mean, it's 24 straight hours, of course, their first effort in 1999, they get a podium finish, third place. Then the, Oh, and there's the one, you know, that's the one everybody knew about that was in the- a diesel
1: and a that's diesel.
2: Yeah, that was the, the later. I think the okay. photo of the gas-powered one, the initial R eight, which they won, beginning in two thousand. They won two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two, and then uh, Steve, educate us on what happened in two thousand
0: three. Yeah, they they had bought uh, Volkswagen Group had bought Bentley, the brand in nineteen ninety eight. So they were it takes you know three cars or three years from when you conceive of a car to when it comes out. So in 1998, they bought Bentley. They started making a new car, which, of course, is the Continental GT, one of Stefan's favorite cars. So that came out in 2001. And then uh, they wanted to remind people of Bentley's racing heritage. So they took the Audi, and they rebadged. They painted it green, and they (laughs) said put Bentley on the side. So the Audi (laughs) won in 2003, but it was called a Bentley.
2: Just sort of a token victory, just like here. Okay. We'll let Bentley do it. (laughs) And so, so then Audi says, well, you know, that was fun that Bentley won. So they go back out. They win again in 2004 and in 2005. And then in 2006, uh, it was coming to the forefront with the alternative fuel technology. Audi said, Hey, you know, we could, we could probably put a diesel in our race car and see what happens. And so so they go and compete with the diesel engined vehicle, that one right there, and win on its inaugural race, the first and now diesels had competed in Le Mans before. This was not a first, but they'd never
1: won. Uh, How- you know, they're really the Germans are really good with that diesel software, you know, uh. for emissions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this thing was spewing out clouds
2: of black smoke <laughs> 24 hours. It's just unbelievable that they just set out, you know, they just sort of chose a target and just continued to just dominate. Audi went on, and I'll, 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 we can move on. They went on to win 13 times. Wow. And that is second only to Porsche, which is largely uh, the, the same technology and even some of the same drivers and, and techs. Porsche's won it 19 times. But look at that. I mean, if you added those two up, they have just completely dominated Le Mans.
0: Yeah, it's the modern era, uh, inc- incredible thing. You know, when we think of the fifties and sixties, of course, you think of Jaguar and then Ferrari, but um, the modern era—it's all Volkswagen Group, no doubt about it. So, we're going to do car spotting. But before we get to that, <laughs> let me just say that um, you know, back in when Audi came, when Audi Quattro came out in the 80, early eighties, eighty-one, basically, when that happened, the clear dominating, uh, brands in the U S luxury market were Cadillac, number one, Lincoln, number two, and then you had Mercedes and BMW kind of coming up. Audi was completely irrelevant. Now, uh, they outsell Cadillac and Lincoln probably combined, and they are legitimate equivalent competitors to the best brands. And, you know, one of the things that started all this was the, the, uh, the Audi TT and, and, uh, Adam's talking about that and, and Stefan show the picture. We spotted one Audi TT was a, a groundbreaking car. Wait, is that, that looks like an R eight that's been in the dryer too long, but <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, look, uh, <laughs> you know, that car. And you know, let's, let's, let's be fair. I, I don't mean that even as a negative, <laughs> it's just kind of a joke every now and then somebody will see a TT and think it, and they'll think it's a twin turbo TT. Yeah. Uh, when of course the TT is named for the tourist trophy, another race that Audi just, just cleaned up on. But this car in, uh, I think it was launched in oh ninety eight ish, uh, Steve ninety eight or ninety nine. And it I was think just, it was ninety eight uh, as a ninety nine model. Yeah, right around that. Okay. Yes, and and it was you know it it came out uh, originally as a concept design uh, probably three years prior, and it was just like something no one had ever seen before. This is uh, considered the Bauhaus school of design, and it's just a, a trim little silhouette that just. Has almost no straight lines on it at all, uh, and the, this design is credited to um, to J. Mays and
0: Freeman was, Thomas.
2: Thank you so much. Yep, and that you know Jay Mays went on to uh, do the relaunch of the Ford GT later. So 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 no lightweight in the uh, world of design, uh, but this car was just a neat little two place coupe. You almost couldn't tell where the motor was. I mean, when you looked at this car from the profile, it's like, is that a mid engine car? But it's a front engine car with a 1.8 motor. They went on to uh, win Car of the Year a couple of years uh, later just because it was so unique in its design and in its stature. And later, you know, after this is a, a, a first gen car uh, that I believe lasted till about 06, uh, was the first gen. By 2012, you could get a 340 horsepower Audi wow. motor in an R, I, what was it called, the RS? Yeah, TTRS. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for helping me out here. And, and you think about 340 horse in that car, a car that size, it is just a little rocket ship. And I'm certain it will be
0: very collectible in the future. What do you guys think about that? That look, the the story, the story, uh, which I, which again, I, 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 am almost embarrassed to tell the story because everyone's like, oh, Steve, give me a, give me a break. But Ferdinand Piak went to Freeman Thomas and said, Hey, he, he started when he became CEO of Volkswagen group, really pushing platform sharing. And he went to Freeman Thomas and said, take the Volkswagen golf platform and make an Audi out of it, make it a sports car, make it legit, make it look good. This is a Volkswagen Golf with a different body on it. And yet no one perceived it that way. It had a beautiful interior had a very, as Stefan said, very distinctive design. Well, I guess you said that Adams, but you know, it's a very distinctive Bauhaus design. It looks so cool that everyone forgot that it was a Volkswagen Golf.
1: And then it later became a Beetle.
0: <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I, I grew in this car came out. It was, it just exuded a style and design that we had not seen on the roads in a long time. And this was a car that caught everyone's eyes. Even the details down at the little vents inside, they, they really detailed nice on this car. So of course, this gener- Gen 1, you can tell looking at the shape, they had some aerodynamic issues at high speeds. and ended up having to put a little spoiler on the back of them. I or, have to, to go ahead and just make particular note. Look at That's the
2: most handsome gas cap. Lid I've ever seen in my life. It
1: really. I is. mean, just,
2: just that detail yeah. in in and of itself. Now, okay. Audi did have a a slight bit of mechanical malady during these years. They were popping water pumps pretty good, or just slinging the belt uh, from the tensioner and causing a little overheating problem. And Stefan, I believe you have a you have a graphic that um, that the internet world decided no, yeah. to make a little fun of Audi. Yeah. With a particular um, Yankee candle scent. Oh. Uh. <laughs> there it is. If you can see the bottom, it's, uh, I believe it's sweet coolant is the name of, <laughs> of, of this fragrance. Uh, but, but poor Audi suffered a little bit of a setback in that, but being, being the Germans they are and dedicated to engineering, they corrected that in short order.
0: Yeah, I drove one actually the f- very first gen. I mean, like first year I tested one and uh, I was going around a turn pretty quick and I lifted and of course the weight transfer went to the front. It's a front wheel drive platform and the back came out. I didn't spin, but uh, I came close. I remember thinking, whoa, that the back's light and a little oversteer was definitely a surprised experience. And then after that, uh, all the stories came out of, you know, Audubon crashes and other problems where uh, the back got too light. And they lost control, and you you know you lose the back end going through a turn. And they did fix that, as Stefan said, with a spoiler. All right. Well, let's move on to safety, because Stefan, you're going to talk about the safety benefits of, of right. a four wheel drive or
1: Quattro. So, for this safety segment, we're talking about the benefits of your you've got a vehicle choice, and you can do two wheel drive, which is typically going to be front wheel drive in most very every car or you can pay the extra money for all-wheel drive. So you have to ask yourself, what are the benefits of having an all-wheel drive vehicle over two-wheel drive? Well, the first part of the benefit of all-wheel drive is physics. So by adding additional transfer cases and the mechanics to make a car four-wheel drive, think about it, you're putting weight, basically adding weight to the bottom of the car. So what that does is then lowers your center of gravity. So, you know, it's like the last thing you'd ever want to be driving is a two-wheel drive Jeep, you know, because you're going to flip that thing, it's going to roll. You want all-wheel drive. So that lowers your center of mass, lowers your center of gravity, and that inherently will make the car more stable in adverse driving situations. So you come into a corner too hot or you lose control, have to make a aversive maneuver. And then the second thing that, you know, it makes sense that, if you're just driving on dry pavement and you you know your grandma going to church every Sunday, you really don't need all-wheel drive. But your grandma going to church on Sunday and you come home and it starts to rain and hasn't rained in 7 days and you're not thinking about it and you take the same corner at 30 miles an hour that you've always done and you get a little slippery lose control, that is when when you have inclement weather, that's where the all-wheel drive platforms really make the vehicle safer you're more likely to regain control you're more likely to maintain control and what that comes down to is not that it's all-wheel drive but what it comes down to is that is the electronics in the vehicle controlling the brake as well as noting the slip rate of the various tires and what it's going to do is it's going to change the traction to the tire that actually has traction so um, it provides stability. And then when you get into the really fancy all drives, like the Audis, the Porsches, they will actually markedly help you turn out of a corner for high, for high performance. The cars are, are really amazing. Steve and I drove the Turbo S all-wheel drive at Barber Track, and you got in that thing. And it was like coming Portia. out of the, G- the Porsche, yes, the Porsche um, Turbo S with all-wheel drive and four-wheel steering. Versus a GTS, which is just rear wheel drive, it was unbelievable the difference. And if you, even, I always talk about just um, driving high performance four wheel drive car. It's point and shoot. You point the car where you want, and if you floor it, the car it's going to go. You know. So they're designed to have less oversteer, understeer. So for daily driving pavement, you know, there's not a big advantage. But when you need to get out of the way of something or you get into inclement weather, snow, gravel on the road, sand on the road, traction is down, all-wheel drive is going to um, have marked safety benefits. I actually searched on uh, to see if there's actually literature comparing two-wheel drive versus all-wheel drive the same manufacturer. I couldn't find that. But we clearly do know that. Some disadvantages are going to be you've got to increase. We've got more parts. More parts means more things to break. And then you're going to have um, your gas mod is going to be a little bit worse, as well as probably some tire wear. But overall, my wife, when we bought her car, she's got a little SUV, a Hyundai Tucson. I got the all-wheel drive. She's like, I don't need all, I don't need She said, I don't need four-wheel drive. I said, well, it's all-wheel drive, honey. Your car's going to be basically driving around with front-wheel drive. And in the rain, going down the interstate, the, the rear tires will kick in. And it's a much safer vehicle. Um, so,
2: you know, I enjoy I enjoy all wheel drive, Stefan. That's 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 very good points because you're talking about in the high performance world that it 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 really is. That's a great description. The the point and shoot. Uh, it, a lot of times you'll see people. Oh no, I'd rather have the rear wheel drive. I mean, these are performance oriented drivers because it's more engaging. Well, the truth of that is, yeah, it may feel a little bit more tail happy or like Steve's experience where you can kind of break two tires loose sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. You can recatch it. But the truth is, in real-life world driving, it is so much safer, it is just not funny. And at least during the time that I had my 997 Turbo that used to sit behind me here, only 15% of the power transfer went to the front wheels. So it's not like 50-50. It was not some huge amount, but it was enough to pull you through a turn and pull you out of trouble instead of just losing control. So, I mean, I am all in favor of the safety and the other good side, I yeah, more weight, more technology, things can go wrong uh, with, with your your front wheel drive axles, et cetera. But it also brings more resale.
1: Ah, uh-huh.
0: I didn't
2: think yeah. about. That. Yeah, you're
0: right. For sure. I when I when I uh, had the the experience with the Audi TT where the back came out, that was a front wheel drive Audi TT. It was not. They were not all Quattro back then. I think they're all Quattro now. But back then they I weren't. Think they became. Yeah. That was front wheel drive. And Stefan, to your point. I was, you know, I own a 911, a new one. I was shocked at the difference between the the, the rear wheel drive and the the turbo, which has all wheel drive. I, I couldn't believe how much easier it was and faster it was on the track because it felt more stable.
1: Absolutely, you know, you don't you don't get that seat of the pants where the rear end starts to shake. You know, where you are losing your the edge of traction, your rear end just jogs a little bit back and forth. You don't get that, and what you get in the all wheel drive vehicles the entire vehicle itself kind of just shifts a little bit which is a lot less unnerving than having um, the rear end shift on you so you're right a much safer faster point and shoot so i would highly recommend Ogle drive if that is if that if you the vehicle option that was one from you'll like you said long term it's going to keep you out of the it's going to keep you on the tarmac
0: all right well let's move on and and uh, we got the what i call the dream three car garage and uh, one of the rules steve the rules that we had adam's and i are never good about the rules adam's adam's kind of hinted at this in in one of our emails and and he's he's got a really good point if you have a dream three-car garage well you'd buy a ferrari 250 gto and then you'd sell it for 100 million and then you buy like 50 cars so we can't do that and what what the rules are is three cars they have to be new available for sale now in january 2024 you have to keep them for five years you cannot trade them so these are cars you have to actually live with and it's three you you have no other cars that are available to you so these are new cars that you have to live with there's nothing else you can drive and what do you pick and uh i think this is kind of fun because you have to really think about all aspects of 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 your life. So uh all right. I didn't
1: it just I got I got this I nailed this in like. I didn't have to think about this. All right, this cool. It was so easy for me.
2: <laughs> Stefan, you, you didn't even leave the the showroom. You stayed in one showroom the whole time, didn't you?
1: No, well, I I no, I didn't. I actually okay. I thought about it. I really did. You're right. I'm a, I almost picked out three Fords. fours. You're right. I did. Absolutely. I think for I seriously, I think for car guys this is easy. You know, you you, you have a, yeah. car who's really a car guy guys, really car guy. He'll he'll think for like thirty seconds and he's got an answer. All right, so here we go. Or she? Off. So yes. So here's my first pick, and this is a little bit of a contrarian pick. So uh, my first pick is a Ford Ranger Raptor. Um, oh, I I own an F one fifty. I've had it since two thousand ten. It is gigantic. It was great when I was towing my five thousand pound boat all the time. It was great when I was towing my eighteen foot trailer moving. But everyday use in a pickup truck, I don't need an I don't need an F one fifty anymore. I do have a ten foot trailer that I tow. This will tow my boat if I need to. I'm not towing as much, so I'm downsizing to the Ranger Raptor. Um, you know, I'm not surprised the perfect size bit. truck.
2: I'm not surprised one bit by the by the the brand on the front of it, but I am a little surprised by the model. And I gotta say, Steph, I'm proud of you.
1: Well, I just you know, I would, honestly. I would love to trade in my F-150 right now in a Ranger Raptor, and I may do it here in a couple of years because my truck's getting beat up. But I this is the color I'd pick, azure gray metallic tricote. I'd go for the beaded rims, and I'd be perfectly happy. And our former guest, um, um, Andrew Clark, Andrew Clark has, has this exact model on order. This is the one he picked out. Good so, choice. That's my first car. Now, my second choice is absolutely i've talked about this car Ooh, man, nice! So this is the bentley continental gt speed edition 12 w12 so this is their last homage to the internal combustion engine these are limited editions of w12s and i know that steve was laughing he sent me a picture of one of the top 10 depreciating cars you can buy is a bentley but not this one So I thought about the Mulliner edition, but I said, no, this is the one I want. And this is the exact color I'd get. What Um, is
2: that color? Because that's the color is it's gorgeous. gorgeous. wonderful.
1: is. um, Yeah, I'm sure
2: it's got some Bentley esque name. It does have
1: a Bentley. Oh, shit. Excuse me. That's all I know. Well, there's the interior. Oh, nice. Paints. Okay, that is that is Silver Lake. Is it that color? And I went for the silver wheels and then the interior, I did the color split and on the dash. And of course I got the top end radio, but and you, it won't even tell you what the price of this thing is. I have no <laughs> way. I can't. It's I'm sure be. it says inquire. with. <laughs> it a, does. Yes. With mm. an E. Yeah. So yeah. this would be my, you know, wife and I go out or um, I'm taking a road trip. This is, this would be pretty much my daily driver. And then that's you know, great, issue. that's a beautiful car. It's, oh, it's so just, beautiful. Oh my God.
2: Yes, it cost. I don't even know. Are we in? I the would 30? say 450.
0: 450? Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. I was going to say 400. It's it's a yeah. lot of money. It's got the W12 in it. I mean, oh my God. It's just, um, just beautiful. And then, so my third car, I want to have some fun in the sun. I'm doing a Porsche 911 Carrera 4 Cabriolet. And I have specifically did not want the turbo package because I don't want a wing on the back. Um, And I did Mm. not see a delete option on the turbo for that. So I got the GTS and the GTS does not, I can get it without a wing on the Cabriolet and it keeps the design clean. If you look here from the side, it's just a beautiful, clean design in 911. The color I would go would be in Porsche Tivoli blue, which is a Peugeot color, um, which you can see here. And will,
2: will that make it instantly leak oil? <laughs> no, <man>.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, you, you've got the uh, colour
1: nailed. That that uh, three good colors. And I'd get these silver wheels on it too, the silver rims, too. And then I would get on both these car I'd get the um carbon um the composite uh disc brakes, whatever they're called, the uh ceramic discs. ceramic, yes,
0: yes. Carbon ceramics, yeah. Carson.
1: Those are so. Those are my three car picks, and I'd be perfectly happy. All right, I, that, those are great picks. Adams,
0: go ahead and uh, see if you can top that. That's going to be hard. Right, to let top. me. All right, I, so let me. Okay, yeah, I've got. Made, add, yep, I've got he's it Already
2: of, made me second guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's the well, point. I, I started. I didn't. I didn't pick the the, the Ferrari GTO right there. That is oh. my Google all do everything i do not tow a boat i do not tow a trailer so all i need is a little bit of room there and this would be like steph you mentioned your your wife on a long road trip kind of car and that would be it and if i wanted to take people i could but i just so tell didn't... people
1: what it is Adam. i know we can oh see sorry uh,
2: yeah we're looking at the visual i didn't even name it the audi rs6 avant i have a uh, a soft spot for what they call long roofs or wagons um, this one to me is the prettiest wagon I have probably ever seen in my life. Uh, this is a hot rod too. Um, it's in the four hundred and
1: fifty horse
2: range. I'm not exactly sure of what that is, but it is. Excuse uh, me, five
1: hundred ninety one horsepower, Adams. Sorry Wait a about
2: that. Yeah, and well, you can know. get
1: and you can get the and you can get the performance model six hundred twenty one horsepower. Oh my God. I think
2: I would go with that low-powered 591. <laughs> yeah. I would be I would be well pleased there, but it's it, it's it would do everything I would ever want. It would be my sports car, my trip car, et cetera. My second choice is just my knock around. Go to the grocery store, or the bank, or Home Depot, or whatever I'm doing, and it's basically last week's pick of the same color as. Stuff oh, that's course, great. In the, the Outer Banks Bronco, the Ford Bronco, exactly as I had equipped it last week. I mean, just enough. I did not go with the uh, the the Raptor version. It's just the, the the EcoBoost V6, and it's got enough. You know, that's, that's just, if you get a door ding, you don't start crying about it. It's just a car you can use, and I live in a beach town, so if I'm ever able to get the beach permit, I would be able to take that vehicle on it, and so that's my... Just A to B car. I probably wouldn't take it on a trip. But the third car, I'm willing to wait the two years it would take me to get it with Mm. Morton Murray Automotive, the T33. Now, he makes a T50 as well with this huge fan on the back that I think is rather unattractive. I agree. But this car, the T33, if you're not able to see it, folks, if you're just in listen-only mode, you need to look it up. And he doesn't say this, but I think we all know that he borrowed the T-33 name from the Alfa Romeo of the same name, the Stradale, just because he loves Alfa Romeos, he loves Lotus, he loves lightweight vehicles, and just very minimal design flair. This has got a V-12 stuffed in the middle of it, made by his friends over at Cosworth. Might be a little difficult to get serviced, but if you got a T-33, (laughs) I think they fly the text to you. (laughs) <laughs> and you're going to spend 2 million bucks and you're going to wait a probably a couple of years to get it but I would have that spot in my garage waiting on it
0: beautiful it's uh it looks very lotus ish this is uh the manufacturer's Gordon Moe Gordon Murray Automotive uh this is by the way I think it only comes with the manual transmission Adams right indeed
2: it does and I'm glad you brought that out Steve he is a purist purist he does not Go for the full-fledged techno package on everything, and yes, this is a manual shift only, and of course, it's naturally aspirated. You know, he he eschews the turbo uh, world a bit, and just look, just look at that sculpture, folks. We're looking at the um, the, the the front end, which would have been a cutaway of this four-cam, ridiculous Cosworth all-aluminum uh, V12. With the upswept headers because the motor is stuck so low in the car and the exhaust pipes actually come up pretty high. I believe they come out above the rear bumper.
0: So you got uh, 600 horsepower in your Audi wagon. You got probably 650 here. Uh, every time you get in the Bronco, you're going to feel like you're riding a bicycle.
2: <laughs> you're right.
0: <clears throat> you're right. Uh, wow, that's, uh, great, that's a great, that's a great that's choice. A bad, that's a great choice. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. So, I'll, I'll give you mine. Um, I, uh, I, let me pull yours up, Steve. Yeah. Here. I have so much fun with this. And by the way, uh, as soon as you there started, you started go. going, I'm like, damn, I should have picked the RS6 wagon. I mean, literally, I should have picked <laughs> the RS6
2: wagon. You actually but- sent me a photo of one. I was thinking you were. I thought, uh-oh, that Steve's kind of showed his hand. I hope I didn't take it from you, but apparently not.
0: Yeah. I wanted a comfortable car to take another couple to dinner with and, you know, to go to the the store and and grocery store and stuff and I, you know I live in a snow belt so I want to have more ground clearance for a family hauler, so this would be winter months uh, or going to the grocery store where I need extra space. This is the Lexus LX six hundred. I had an LX four seventy and then I had now currently have an LX five seventy, and they don't break down. They don't lose their value. There's no rattles. The quality on these is so incredible. And in deference to both of our great friend, Dr. Stefan Moran, I want something safe. And this is a tank. So uh, I wanted this for safety. I would take it on a long trip if I you know, took my dogs and we were going to stay for a while. But my next car would be uh, an everyday driver, which would be a 911 GTS. And the GTS has a little bit more power than the S. I'd make sure it had a manual and make sure you did not get the one the one you know that I want to get regular wheels so I can take the wheels off and change the tire if I need to but otherwise it would be manual transmission I probably would get it in red like this and this would be my everyday driver I have a, a 992 uh, 911 that I daily drive now with a 7-speed manual I love it but I wouldn't love it in the snow um so it would I'd have summer tires on it and every time it snowed I'd take either the Lexus or my third pick which is I think this is going to be the luxury car in twenty thirty five, when um, all those battery electric rules kick in and you're not allowed to sell internal combustion cars, well, I think they'll always have to sell these big, heavy diesel trucks for farmers and ranchers. So, uh, I think rich people will end up buying these as your regular car. If you, you know, if you get into any modern pickup now, this is the GMC Sierra twenty five hundred diesel. And it's heavy duty, but you get into one of these, the, the interior is very luxurious. These are like, luxury. They, they ride really, really well. You know, Stefan mentioned the Ford Raptor. The Raptors ride really, really well. So these these trucks can ride well. I could take this on long trips, go to Home Depot too with this. So this would be, I think this is going to be the only luxury cars we're going to have available in 10 years or at least 12 years or 15. So that's my, that's my lineup. Steven,
2: uh, educate us a little bit. What is a 2,500 2500- Diesel, big
0: old honking GMC truck. What is what is the sticker on that? Oh, it's a hundred. Is it? It's oh, a three-quarter God. ton. It's a hundred thousand. Uh, it's totally easy, loaded. Easy, hundred thousand. Yeah, it's a luxury vehicle, and you know we only have three cars. What if I would do want it? What if I buy a boat and I want to tow it? I want to have. I like to tow something where I'm towing. Uh, let's say a five thousand pounds. I like to tow five thousand pounds with a vehicle that is capable of towing 20,000. i like to have way more than I need. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that so is that, important towing. Yeah. So that's, that, that's my lineup. And, uh, we, I, I, I would say when I look at these three now, honestly, I would swap out the Lexus for the Audi RS six. Cause it's just way cooler.
2: You know, I, I like all your picks. I mean, you, uh, across the board, the Lexus was slightly surprising to me. It's the front end of that vehicle. Would you would you paint um, yeah. <laughs> uh, seven or eight of those plate dividers green? Is that what the
0: what is? That? It's they're trying too hard. They, can, they
2: the, are the trying. Grill too hard. is the grill is it.
1: goofy, and they're trying too hard. That's what that I is. think. That's but, a great idea, Adam, That you could <laughs> honestly paint the bottom. Let's say there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Paint yeah. four of them. Body yeah. color. And that yeah, so would the, make it look like a great front end. Great idea.
2: Well, yeah. it's, but I think, yeah. So you're talking about the bottom ones up to where the yes. salad plate
1: begins?
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, yeah. I it's could, a I lot, could, but honestly, like not, not taking anything else away from that, just on the little smirk, smirky comment about the, um about the grill. It's otherwise a very handsome vehicle. I love how the fenders are punched out. I love the wheel design. And I think it's a good pick. Can we it's, go back to the Porsche a moment? Because I noticed something about all of us. I didn't pick a Porsche, but if I were picking one, I too would pick the GTS. What is it about the GTS over the Turbo that
1: all of us like? The Turbo is too much for me. Is it's got it's you know it's got the it's got the fender vents on it for it's got intakes everywhere for cooling, and I just the GTS gives you the Bonus performance with clean design. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like on my Bentley, I didn't go I did badge delete except for the one on the front hood. No badges on the car. My mm-hmm. Raptor would come with no Raptor decals. I would have a complete delete on that. And same thing when I spec'd out my my cabriolet, I did delete on everything I could delete. Um, there were no badges anywhere on the cards. The only thing it had was the Porsche across the back tail lights, which you can't get rid of. Um
2: You know, Steph, I, I think you I, said it before, and I don't know which you applied it to, but you either said like the GTS is like uh the bullet mustang, or you said the bullet Mustang's like yes. the GTS. Uh,
1: yeah, they they both yeah, offer best. the old the, they offer all the performance that you need with none of the flash or show, you know. It doesn't the, the scream tur- out, hey, look at me.
0: The the 911 Turbo for me is the girl. She's smarter than you. She's better looking than you. She's got a great family, but she's no fun.
2: Yes. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Again, the empty space behind me used to be a 997 Twin Turbo, and that car was so much more capable than I was. It, it, it wasn't fun because it just did everything a little bit too right. It was too sterile. Uh, I, you know, I, we
1: drove when we drove at Barber, the Turbo S, the GTS and the Turbo S Porsches, you know, the GTS, when you're at the limit of your ability, the car gets a little squirrely and says, Hey, 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 I got it here, guys, but you need you need to back off a little bit. Whereas the Turbo S, you really didn't know where your limit was because it was so far ahead of you. And and that's not always exciting. You know, you want something a little bit on occasion, a little nasty, a little raunchy, you know, you want to get a little dirty every now and then. But, the um, and then for me, I don't, I don't like a lot of accoutrement. I don't like things hanging off of my car and holes and vents everywhere. And, um, I like it simple. Yeah. Steve, this,
2: did you <laughs> pick a color on this? Cause the one we're looking at is not guards
0: red. I can't yeah. name that. Is it, is it. That's like a car mine red. I actually would. I yeah. went with guards, Red. I, 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 uh. Couldn't find a picture, but I went with Gar's red and, and I would not, I like Stefan, I prefer silver wheels, so I wouldn't have the black wheels, but yeah, this is just, it's more accessible. It's more fun. You got a manual. You, you, you don't have four wheel drive. Uh,
1: I think the 911 turbo is too sterile. Yeah. Now in mine, I, I was gonna, I, I think I said GTS, but I, they don't make a GTS cabriolet, but I was going to get the 4S on and manual in mine. Yeah. All right, we are almost out of time but
0: we're gonna go to predictions you okay. can't go like first show of 2024 we gotta have predictions and uh
1: Stefan you're foaming at the mouth for yours because you kind of have made this before but just make it official Mary Barra will not last she will be gone in 2024 from General Motors there's just no way in hell with the with the whole EV thing the blazer losing money with crew all that I mean she just got to go she's it's 10 years it's time for her to go okay it's ten been ten years. She's not, and she she did a, a lousy job with the union. She looked terrible on TV, and and this whole blazer thing to me is that is you know anybody in the military for something like that, the chief gets fired. I mean, it's just hands down, mm-hmm. and she's got to go. There's clearly some cultural leadership issues within General Motors right now. That why somebody would even put that car in a dealer. I mean, I don't get it. It just, and she's got to go. This is a tant- that's, the, that's my one prediction. Steph, even though I've got a prediction and
2: I don't know what, what Steve's is, I'm going to say your prediction comes true the fastest.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I all right, so what's yours,
2: Adams? Okay, for mine, let's see. My prediction is, and I wrote mine out. Tesla gets caught in a massive cover-up of fires, danger, inappropriate claims, broken promises amid the black cloud of deceit that is all of the EVs. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just reporting the news. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's all news. The real prediction, mildly related, is Rivian goes under. Woo. They just can't. They, I don't think they can hang. I think their investors are going to start to get a little bit antsy. Uh, they're one of the most unreliable vehicles out there. They don't sell enough in enough quantity. Uh, the The face of it looks a little bit like the Michelin Man to me. But regardless of its style, they do have some very innovative technology. I'll give them that. They have made a very good go of it. They can't hang. I believe the the tilt is not in their favor.
0: Oh, that's good. I drove a Rivian recently, and uh, yeah, I drove I it was, too. It was nice, but it wasn't great. And uh, boy, I can only imagine if you start having problems uh, again, a la Chevy Blazer BEV, where they had twenty three problems in just a few, a few, a couple months. Ugh, it's expensive. Uh, and by the way, I think resale on it's going to be crappy. I agree with. I think it's a really good um, prediction. All right, mine is uh, that BEV uh, standards uh, get pushed back five years. In other words, uh, we're not going to go all BEV in 2035. They're going to say 2040. I think 2024 is the year that happens. I do recognize that it may not happen. I do, th- I agree with you, Adams. I think the most likely of our three predictions to come true is Stefan's. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, but the one I want the most, I mean, because you don't want somebody, you know, well, Bara needs to go, but you, you, you almost hate to root for the failure. I know I sure don't root for the failure of Rivian. I just think it's inevitable, but I'm rooting for yours, Steve. Yeah, it's got, I hope it gets pushed back. I mean, with this just too much, too fast, too quickly.
0: Yeah, we still, yeah. you know, we're still cleaning up the environment. We're, we're bringing our carbon footprint down all the time. We, we continue to, to uh, benefit the planet and do good things, but we just go a little bit slower. So you don't have, we don't have all these Problems, charging infrastructure, battery yeah. life, and all the things we've been talking about. You just push it back I'll, five years.
1: I'll be willing to say that we don't, uh, BEVs hover at 10% of the market this next 2020. I will not. You know, they expect it to be at 12, 15%. I think it's going to be 10%. And do you think anybody's going to walk into General Motors franchise and purchase a BEV after the Blazer? Who's going to be the first people to jump on that? It ain't going to be their trucks, I can tell you right now. I agree. Right. No. All right. Those are good predictions.
0: Uh, happy New Year. And, Stevon, uh, close out.
1: Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for listening. We've had some growth this year. We've appreciated you telling your friends to take a listen. Remember, like, listen, subscribe, hit the bell on YouTube. Check us out. We're on Instagram, YouTube. And who knows where else we'll be. Stevo's our our content manager. He's learning every day. So <laughs> maybe we'll have a bigger presence on TikTok or somewhere like Keep coming back and we'll talk to you next week.